be those that help out. Thank you, John. Let's just check this is turned on. That's right. Let me just lead us in prayer as we come to look at the Word of God. Father, open our eyes to your Word. Open our hearts to your Spirit. And give us minds and wills that are ready to respond. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we call, we are commissioning, we're ordaining, if you like, all sorts of words, Jonathan Lamb, to be a pastor in our church. A pastor. Well, what does that mean? Isn't, he, isn't Johnny already a pastor? I often hear people, sometimes people will call Johnny Pastor Johnny. Um, but we're saying actually he wasn't a pastor until today. And that's actually the truth. Pastor is one of the, it's a funny word. I don't know if you've thought about it very much. Um, you know, people would be called priests in some tradition or reverends or ministers. Uh, pastor. It's almost a very Baptist type of phrase for their church leader leaders. But I'm finding it's being used increasingly by many other churches. You'd have, sort of have Baptists would have pastors and Uniting or Methodists would have ministers. But I'm finding all sorts of people are using pastors. So if you look at the website for St. Mark's across the road, their senior minister and their associate minister are called senior pastor and associate pastor. I think that's because it's such a good word. What does it mean? Well, it's a word that comes straight from Latin. And it means shepherd. So actually, the word, a word like pastoral, which sort of has a rural sort of a feel, actually means shepherdish. Because pastor means shepherd. Maybe instead of calling me Pastor John, as many of you do, you should be calling me Shepherd John. Just say it in English rather than Latin. It's a good word, I think, because one of the most frequent images we find about the people of God in the Bible is that they are sheep in a flock. Not a particularly flattering image in many ways, because sheep are sheep and not the most glamorous images, but that is a word that's consistently used. So Psalm 100 says, We are his people, the Lord's people, the sheep of his pasture. Psalm 23, that famous psalm, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He leads me beside still waters. I am the sheep, he is the shepherd. We are the sheep, he is the shepherd. Isaiah 53, Jeremiah 24, 23, Ezekiel 34, all speak of God and his people as sheep in his pasture. In fact, even in the letter we're looking at today, if you go back today, 1 Peter, if you go back to chapter 2, verse 25, Peter says to the people, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. So the people of God and church are sheep and they need a shepherd to watch over them. When Janet Johnny began working full-time with our church, we called him to serve as a student's ministry leader. In other words, he was going to be a leader, a ministry leader in work amongst students, particularly school students from kindergarten to year 12. In other words, we employed him with a very role-focused task. 
If you like to use the shepherd analogy, Johnny was employed on the farm to dip the sheep, to shear the sheep and to assist where necessary. He was doing the duties of looking after sheep, but he wasn't the shepherd. Today we are calling him to be a shepherd. Now he may well still be dipping sheep and shearing sheep, but he'll be doing that now with a greater responsibility laid on him from us to have a greater burden for the church, for the people. A greater sense of oversight, not just duty filling. Not that he ever did just that. So we are calling him, we are commissioning him, we are ordaining Johnny as a pastor of our fellowship. That is what you will be doing if you affirm this today. It's a small change because Johnny's been working with us for a a couple of years and we love him. But it's a big change because from this point on we properly call Johnny Pastor Johnny, Shepherd Johnny. Not just ministry worker, leader, but my shepherd. In this passage before us, Peter gives some short and simple advice about shepherding in God's church. Now, if you're going to start in a new role, as in a sense Johnny is, you need to be clear right up front about who is the boss. So it is for Johnny today. He needs to be clear who the boss is. Let me tell you, you are not the boss. Let me tell you, I am not the boss. And the elders of this church are not the boss. So we have to ask, who owns the farm? Who owns the sheep? He is the boss. And in verse 2, Peter says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. Whose flock? God's flock. The Lord God is the boss. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. As a pastor, you will often talk, if you're out talking to other people, you'll often say, talk about my church. At my church, we blah, 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 blah. And that's that's just normal English usage. That's fine. But it, it should never be used in the sense of ownership or ultimate responsibility. It's my church as part of belonging. I have a role and I belong as part of this church family. Jesus, however, could say that phrase very differently. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And when he said that, he said it with a sense of ownership. I will build my church. It belongs to him. He is the head of the church. You look in verse 4 of our passage. When the chief shepherd appears you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd of our church. Throughout the Old Testament, God, you see, promised that he would send a good shepherd. Because all the shepherds that had been through Israel, the kings of Israel, they were just they kept abusing the people and using them. They didn't care well for them. But a good shepherd will come from the line of King David was the promise. Who will be head of the flock. 
Jesus himself said in John chapter 10, verse 14, he said, I am the good shepherd. I am the promised one. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. I am the good shepherd, says Jesus. Back here in 1 Peter, I've already read this to you. I'll read the verse before, chapter 2, verse 24. Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. The good shepherd. As a kid's song, sometimes we've sung it in this church, I am not the boss. You are not the boss. Johnny is not the boss. Jesus is the boss. For Jesus is the mighty, mighty king. Mighty, mighty king. God made him the boss of everything, and Jesus is the mighty, mighty king. So then what does it mean to call Johnny shepherd, Johnny pastor? Well, he is to be an under-shepherd, working for the boss, but bearing that responsibility. Let me go back to John's gospel, because Peter, who wrote this passage, was called by Jesus to be an under-shepherd. In John chapter 21, verse 15, after the resurrection, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. You're to be an under-shepherd. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. He's to be an under-shepherd. The third time he said to them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter, who had those words from Jesus, now says as he writes this letter, to the elders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. There's many different names for church leaders. We might call them a reverend which says, yes, that they're holy, that they're set apart, to be revered. We might call them a priest, which suggests that they make sacrifices and intercede on behalf of the people. We might call them a minister, as if they do all the service, all the ministry. We might call them father, which, let me tell you, is just a horrid title for a church leader, because God is father. We call Johnny, you call me pastor. I think that is a good title. I think it's the best title. Because Johnny is being called to be an under-shepherd of God's flock. Always submitting to the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus. 
Now, every role and every task has its inherent dangers. And so it is that a, the role of a pastor has some inherent dangers. Now, none of the role, dangers that you, of being a pastor will you find in an occupational health and safety manual. It doesn't sit there, listen, one of the dangers of art, don't overeat jam and scones because you'll just be exposed to a lot of them and they're bad for you. You won't find that in the pastor's manual. Although it may be true, Johnny. Not in this church, it's going to be dim sins. And <laughs> The great danger for pastoral work is danger that affects character. It impacts upon your character. Because the pastor's greatest work is their character, their Christ-likeness. If you want to tear a pastor's work down, you tear their character down or their character falls. There are dangers. You think about life as a shepherd. There you are, it's just you and the flock. You're free. There's nobody looking over your shoulder. You have lots of time alone. And as long as the flock looks okay, well, who really cares? Let's say you fell asleep one day. You wake up, the flock's still there. You drift away one time and you come back, the flock's still there. This is easy-peasy work. And so you learn to get by playing the part with a caring word here, a thoughtful public prayer there, and of course Sunday. You have to do Sunday. You have to report in. You see, the danger is to yourself and to the flock, the danger is that it's very easy to be lazy in pastoral ministry. Very easy to live a pretense and to get away with it for a while. Very easy to be not that willing to be a servant, to be on easy street, to give the bare minimum. But in pastoral ministry, it is deadly because mere duty will never suffice. Peter writes, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. You need to be willing and eager to serve. Let me again go back to John chapter 10 and read the words of Jesus. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man who runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And he calls his under-shepherds to follow his example. To sacrifice for the sheep. To pay the price. You're not a hired hand, Johnny. You don't employ him as a hired hand. He is the shepherd. Second great danger... To again, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but 
but eager to serve. Not greedy for money. Now, who goes into pastoral ministry to get rich? Seriously. It doesn't work. So what's that all about? Well, don't be deceived. No temptation has overcome you except what is common to man. We all feel the tug of greed, possessions, envy, jealousy, self-interest. And it's particularly dangerous when you can sanctify your greed. Give because you're giving to God and that's good for you. Meaning give to me or somehow help feather my nest as you do the sanctified work of giving to God. It's very easy. And as a pastor, Johnny, John, you are totally dependent upon the goodwill and the contributions of others. And it's very easy to say, I'm going to work for my money by convincing people to part with it for my sake. It's a danger. In this sanctified pool, you say, give, 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 but what you're really hoping is it will all come back to you. And you depend upon that giving, otherwise you don't live. It's a great danger. It's a subtle and deadly temptation and you must not kid yourself, Johnny or John, that you're above it. I don't think hardly anybody goes into pastoral ministry with the aim to be greedy, but many have fallen. Many ministries are distorted. As a pastor, you must be eager to serve, even if the financial recompense means you only just get by. Third great danger. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being an example to the flock. The third great danger is to be in ministry for the sake of power. And congratulations and a public profile. Look, we all want it. We all want more power in our lives and we all have different strategies. Some are aggressive, some are passive-aggressive, some are manipulative. It works its way out in every marriage, every relationship, every workplace, this fight for power. Won't be any different in the ministry. And with being a pastor, a shepherd, comes a measure, a measure of power comes with the territory. I mean, you get to do what I'm doing now. You're all silent. How good is that? Week after week. I think it was hard work too, but... And you are the shepherd. And so they are the sheep. And if they don't follow and if they don't obey... Well, the sanctified says, self says it's their fault because I am the shepherd and they are the sheep. They need to repent. What power is that? Power of pastoral ministry is no place for the aspiring tyrant. It is no place for the insecure control freak who is looking for a platform of greatness, however small that greatness might be. And it's a dangerous and subtle temptation. 
But what draws you into pastoral ministry is a desire for attention and power, however petty it may be. Any pastoral ministry that is dependent upon emotional manipulation or intimidation or political games or the flaunting of power or brinkmanship is not effective shepherding of the sheep. But here's the thing, it's hard. How do you shepherd the sheep? they're, They're terrible. I've got no power. You're a Baptist, you've got zero power. They can do what they want with you. How do you shepherd the sheep? No wonder people use emotional intimidation and brinkmanship. Verse 3. Be eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. You see, it's all about character. It's all about the example you set, all about service and love and sacrifice. And things like charisma and political nous and IQ and business acumen, they're all good to a point, but they are so far secondary to character in pastoral ministry. It's all about being like Jesus, which means being a servant. There is no place for pride, no place for the pursuit of others. It's the service of others under the Lord Jesus. That is pastoral ministry. You have to watch out for the dangers. And remember, Johnny, that you will be an under-shepherd. If you think on that shepherding imagery, you can also be deceived because just imagine the idea. And I, you, Some of you do this. I know people do this. Because I've done it and I know people talk to me. You have this idealistic imagery of, of, of pastoral ministry and shepherding. For some people, depending on which books they've been reading, you need to be moved from being a farmer to being a rancher. You need to uh, crack the whip and tell the dogs what to do. And the sheep are just collateral to serve your needs. Actually, no, 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 it's bigger than that. It's to serve the needs of the kingdom, which is the growth of this fellowship. But the sheep are basically collateral. Bigger flock, better flock. If you lose some along the way, don't worry. All that matters is the big picture, the profit. Lost statement. Why wouldn't you want to be a pastor leading a great enterprise like that? Shepherding the sheep. Seeing the kingdom grow. How about this? Why wouldn't you be a pastor? When you get to spend time with the flock and you lead them beside still waters and you, and you, have, and you embrace this life of quiet contemplation, you're talking to the sheep, you're binding their wounds, you're watching butterflies together while the sun sets with this unhurried life of spiritual pastoral rest and ease. I think both of those are true to a part, but mostly nonsense. Here is life as a shepherd. It's late winter. It's night. It's cold. Lambing has begun. And so you're spending the night in a makeshift shelter with the sheep. 
You're never, never sure when the next lamb might come out to make sure everything's okay, to hold the flock together, to protect against those who would attack the wolves or the lions or the dingoes. It's been a hard year. There hasn't been a lot of rainfall. And so you're doing long treks, taking these sheep from pasture to pasture. Some of them are struggling and in poor health. They do need binding, but when they t- you talk to them, all they do is bleat ugly breath in your face. There's concern for the strays. Frankly, you think you're not hurting sheep, but hurting cats because they all want to do their own thing. At times, you can't help thinking that they're self-serving, ungrateful, demanding, and frankly, stupid. But they are your flock. They're under your care, and you have been given a responsibility under the chief shepherd to watch over them through your character and love and sacrifice. There are long days, long nights, dirt and pain and hunger and loneliness. Let us not sugarcoat the life of a shepherd. It is demanding for the shepherd. It is demanding for the family who watches him go and come back hurting sometimes. So why would anyone want to be a shepherd? See, in the ancient world, when these words were written, hardly anybody did. There was no shepherd school. Do a course in Shepherding 101. It was the bottom of the rung. Welcome to the life of a pastor. Why would you do it? You do it because you keep your eyes on the payday. And remember who it is that you're serving. Johnny, if you serve yourself, you're in for a world of pain. You cannot survive and the flock will not prosper if you serve yourself. You need to remember who you're serving and the magnificent rewards he offers. Verse 4, after all your service and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never away. The reward is not a life of ease and leisure, it's not financial gain, it's not the acquirement of power. As you share in the suffering of sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ, payday will be when you receive your reward from the Lord and he says to you, well done my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. So it really is the greatest job there is. It says someone who's struggled for many years in the role, but looks back and says, well, actually, it is the greatest job to be called to be an overseer, to be called to work at your character and your godliness to such an extent that you keep growing, God willingly, more like Jesus. That you get to spend your time with people who are hurting, who are rejoicing. You get to spend time at weddings like yesterday, which was such a joy with such beautiful people. Just because you're the shepherd. You get invited into lonely places, hurting places, just because you're the shepherd. You get to love people and learn to love people just because you're the shepherd. What a great job. What a great calling. It is life-changing. And I am very much at peace about today. 
Because Jonathan Lamb, I don't know how well you know him, more than most is a man of character, shaped like the Lord Jesus. I do not say that lightly or because of the occasion. More than most, he has, he's not lazy. I see hardly a shred of greed in him. And he's not proud or power hungry. He's humble. He loves Jesus. And he finds it easy to serve. He sets a godly example for his family and our family. So I think what we're doing today is easy. There are dangers, and he's sub- don't think he's not subject to the dangers. He is. But it's, I'm very enthused to be calling him. I think he's also, you know, as part of our church family, had such a godly example set to him by his own family. I think that's healthy for a church. That, that generational godliness pervades in a fellowship. What are we doing? Well, the Baptist Association has tested Johnny, and they endorse our ordination. They want to say, put the seal on him saying, he is good to serve in our family of churches. And that's not an easy thing to get through. Johnny is to serve by being a minister of the word, by modelling in life and character and the sacraments, the truths of the gospel. One of the things I think we're doing today is we're lashing Johnny to the mast. I, think it's, I was going to double check my Greek mythology and I forgot to. I think it's Jason and the Argonauts on the boat and they go past the island and there's these women there who call and they just can't resist the call. So they take Jason and they strap him to the mast so that when the boat goes past the island, I can't remember the name of the island, someone else will. The boat goes past the island, the sirens, all these seductive women are screaming for him and they're going to destroy him when he gets there. But Jason is lashed to the mast and he cannot leave the boat and the boat safely makes it past the island. Today in making these promises, we are lashing Johnny to the mast. Johnny, you are not perfect. You struggle with the same struggles we have. Johnny struggles to believe. He struggles at times to affirm that Jesus rose from the dead, just like you and I do. He struggles to think that Jesus loves him today when he feels so rotten, just like you and I do. He struggles with his family and with his wife in conflict and tension, just like you and I do. But we're saying, Johnny, we're lashing you to the mast and we're holding you accountable. We all feel that way, but we want to follow Jesus because we know he makes a difference. And we want you to keep ministering the word to us. We want you to keep administering the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper before us. We want you to keep living for Jesus and showing us what it looks like to live for Jesus. And we don't want you to leave that calling. Because we need you to shepherd us and set an example and keep reminding us of these truths. Because we want to stay in Jesus with our struggles and our doubts. And we want you to be the one who shows us how to do it and teaches us how to do it. Even with your failings and your weaknesses. So we're lashing you to the mast, Johnny. You're not going anywhere. And when the siren calls of the world come and say, leave, leave, leave. Stop preaching the word. Stop challenging them. Stop calling them to repentance. It's going to be too hard. We're saying, Johnny, don't you dare stop. That's not your job. You're the shepherd. You hold up God's word. You exalt the Lord Jesus. And even when you're feeling small, 
and unworthy. Preach the word in season and out of season. Remind us of the truth of the kingdom and the gospel so that we also may stand firm in that. Following your teaching as you follow the teaching of the Lord. Following your example as you follow the example of the Lord. It's a big thing we do today. David Sterrett, one of our elders who's leading our service this morning, he's actually going to lead us through the words of, of commissioning for Johnny. And uh, we're going to have a few people, people, a few of us come up and pray over Johnny and Joyce. And Ben Wong, another one of our elders, is going to lead us in that prayer. So David, I'll hand it back to you. Thank you. As we approach that formal part of our service this morning... Let's fix our eyes on the Great Shepherd as we're going to sing together when I survey the wondrous cross. Please stand as we sing together.
and Johnny and Joyce, come and join me at the front, please. We are here today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, to commission and ordain Jonathan Lamb as a pastor of Pennant Hills Baptist Church. Under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the members of this church have called Jonathan to this role. Jonathan, also under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, has accepted that call. Jonathan, do you promise before God in this congregation to love the Lord Jesus above all else with all your heart, soul, mind and strength? to honour your prior commitment to love and serve Joyce as your marriage partner amidst the competing demands of church ministry, to set an example before the church of Christ-like living, to shepherd those who belong to the family of Pennant Hills Baptist Church, to preach and teach faithfully the whole counsel of God contained in his word, to pray regularly for God's work here and the wider mission of the church in the world, to work in love and unity with the leadership of the church, using your gifts as the Lord leads. God help me, I do. Joyce, your turn now. Joyce, do you, as Jonathan's wife, promise before God in this congregation to provide love, support, an encouragement to Jonathan as he fulfills his ministry responsibilities. God helping me, I do. Now our turn out here. Do you, the fellowship of Pennant Hills Baptist Church, promise before God to accept Jonathan Lamb as your pastor and to receive his ministry to you, to support him and work with him for the cause of Christ? using your God-given gifts in ministry with him to love, encourage, and then pray for Jonathan and his family. If you so promise, I want you to signify by standing. And visitors, if you're with us this morning, you're welcome to stand with us in this. So stand with me if this is your promise. You, the congregation, signify by your standing your support of the appointment of Jonathan Lamb as a pastor of Pennant Hills Baptist Church. Please be seated. Now, Ben, one of our elders, is going to come and pray for Jonathan and Joyce and of others that are going to lay hands on the couple, please come and join me. Is the privilege to be uh, up here uh, praying uh, for Johnny on behalf of the congregation. And I thought that uh, it is probably appropriate at this moment to actually look at this couple of verses in Joshua, uh, particularly when young men and, uh, and I think the words are appropriate. Can I just read for you then in Joshua? Be strong and courageous. 
for you shall cause these people to inherit the land that I stormed to their father to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn it to the right hand or to the left. You may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but I sh- and you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So we just uh, pray, uh, oh God, as we lay hands on him. Oh dear Heavenly Father and Almighty God, thank you for this wonderful and glorious occasion to commit Johnny as pastor of our congregation. Lord, we just want to thank you for equipping him, for sending him in our midst. We just pray for your blessing on his work and ministry that, is leading, uh, that he will be leading in this church. Lord, we as a congregation of your people commit Johnny in this new responsibility. And pray that our Heavenly Father, your ever-present, be with Johnny in his daily walk with you. And will you go ahead and alongside Johnny as he faithfully served you in the various work you directed him to. Oh, just God, we just pray that you will grant Johnny a servant heart to humbly serve others and to put others' interests ahead of his. Oh, God, that you will grant Johnny an obedient and willing heart that is sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and always ready to obey and do your work and follow your guidance and directing. O oh Lord, grant him wisdom and discernment and his deal as you deal with the various personal, spiritual, pastoral and church matters in this church that the outcome may be edifying and bring glory and honour to your name. Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit will fill Johnny and empower and prosper him in all the work you call him to do. We pray that the Holy Spirit will grow Johnny in com- with compassion, love and care as he care and nurture the sheep that you place yes. under his care. Lord, we pray for Johnny personally that he continues to meditate daily on your living word and to walk closely each day with you. Lord, that he will faithfully preach and teach your word and also a doer of it. Lord, we pray that Johnny will not despise his youth but it be an example to the believer, both in word and in deed. Mm-hmm. O oh Lord, that he will be like Joshua, be strong and courageous in leading this congregation to know Jesus, to make Jesus known, and to extend the kingdom of God in this community. Lord, we pray for Joyce, that you continue to help her and uphold her to be a helpmate to Johnny, to love and support him as a loving and, careful and caring wife. Just, Lord, just to come alongside him and be there for him. Lord, lastly, we pray for ourselves, both as an individual as as a congregation, that you will continue to commit to pray and help Paul Johnny in our prayer daily and in practical ways in his responsibility. We pray that we will encourage Johnny in his work with encouraging words, with regular catch-up, and come alongside, but more importantly, be engaged in the work with him. O oh Lord, we look to you, Almighty God and Heavenly Father, to richly join bless, bless Johnny and his ministry and service among us. 
for all to your glory and to your honor. Amen. Johnny and Joyce, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Your turn to respond. I just want to say it is really an honour to be asked by you to uh, serve you in this way, to be an under-shepherd of God's flock here. Uh, really looking forward to continuing to serve here, uh, particularly looking forward to continuing to serve uh, with John and the elders, uh, who I hold with utmost respect, and, and they do look after you well. It's a really humbling thing, too, to uh, stand up here and to hear those promises read and to have to say, yes, that's what I commit to. Um, it's humbling because... I know my limitations, uh, and it's, I'm not a naive uh, man getting married like those guys that were married yesterday where you stand up in front of your, everybody and your wife and say, yes, I will be this awesome husband character. Uh, I've been married for a few years now, and you know, you just, as good as those promises are, uh, it's hard. It's humbling also because I know you know who I am. Uh, I've grown up here, uh, many of you I've worked with before, and I haven't changed that much Really, I'm the same person that I was last week. Uh, I haven't got any new abilities or skills or talents, and you know this. And so it really is a humbling thing to be able to um, say, yes, I want to be a a pastor here. Uh, Thank you also for just your your great kindness to me for many, many years now, and I'm afraid I might have to ask for just even more patience as I settle into uh, this new role. The saving grace, I suppose, is that before any of us put ourselves up to be under-shepherds, the first thing that we are is we're sheep. We're the same needs and the same saviour who's met those needs. And uh, I guess I guess uh, I need to keep reminding myself of that as, as we move forward. But I do uh, really value your prayers and your support, and I look forward to continuing to serve with you uh, for years to come. Thanks. Johnny, in those times when you doubt your own ability, remember what we're going to sing now. God is able. Stand with me as we conclude our time this morning singing God is able.
close in prayer. Our loving Father, we thank you. You are a God who is able. And Father, we commit to you these days ahead. Bless Johnny and Joyce, John and Anna, and this whole congregation. Help us to continue to trust and to love you more, we pray. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Please join us for morning tea and continue to rejoice in him.